Good morning. It's good to see you today. I always enjoy coming to Freedom Fellowship because I know I'm going to hear good music. I'm going to hear people that are worshiping the Lord, not going to a concert. I know that I'm going to meet people who love the Lord and love one another, and by your actions beyond Sunday morning are loving your neighbors. So I know that it's going to be a good morning of worship when I come, and I look forward uh, to being able to share with you today a, a message that God put on my heart the last day of last year. First time in my entire life in 66 years, 48 years of ministry, that God gave me a message on the last day for the whole next year. It was just for me. I never intended to share it with anyone. But I found out everywhere I go, it's a message that most of us need to hear. And I'll invite you to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 43. We're going way back to look at uh, a word that God spoke to his people that's just as real and relevant today. Isaiah chapter 43, we're going to begin in verse 18. That passage will be on the screen, and the title may seem a little unusual to you, flying through the desert on a trapeze, but you'll see that in a minute. So let's, let's read God's word together. Verse 18, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Would you pray with me? Father, this is your word. It is true, it is truth, it is life. It helps us to know you, to know your will, and to know your ways. So Father, by your Spirit, through your Word, speak to us. What we need to hear is your people to live on mission with you for your glory. Change in us what you need to change, Father, so that when we leave this place today, we will walk a little closer with you than we did when we came in. And when others look at us, they will see Christ in us, for he alone makes the difference in us and in this world. Oh, Father, how our world needs Jesus. May they see him in us this week. In his name I pray. Amen. I'm convinced that there's three kinds of people in the world. There are those who long for the past, and they say something like, boy, those were the good old days. You ever looked back and felt that way? Well, there's another group that says, um, they live in the present, and they'll say, it doesn't get any better than this. My grandson is soon to be 10 years old uh, later this month, and he says, every day we do something together. He say, Papa, this is the best day of my life. And one day he said, Papa, what was the best day of your life? I said, I don't know yet. He looked at me kind of quizzical, and I said, what do you mean? I said, well, I haven't lived my whole life yet. The best day may yet to become. Which leads me to the third group of people. There are those who look to the future and they say the best is yet to come. Now, which of those three people it represents you and your outlook on life? Do you look back and say, well, those were the good old days? Or it doesn't get any better than this. Or the best is yet to come. What about your relationship to the Lord? Which of those statements describes where you are with Him? Was your walk with the Lord in the past more real and rewarding than it is today? 
Or are you content with your relationship with God right where it is today? It couldn't get any better than this. Or do you desire a closer, more intimate, deeper walk with the Lord where you say to him, as I say to my wife quite often, Honey, I love you more than yesterday, but not as much as tomorrow. Do you really believe that in your walk with the Lord, your relationship with Him, that the best is yet to come? That God has even better things in store? This side of heaven, we know that when we get to heaven, it'll be wonderful. But what about this side of heaven? I want to talk to you about that today because I believe that God wants you and me to have a fresh encounter with Him that will lead us to experience His presence, His power, and His peace in life-transforming ways. So that every day, we're walking a little closer to the Lord, and everyone around you will know it. You may be asking God to change something in your life right now. How many of you are praying for God to change something or someone in your life right now? A situation, a condition, a problem, an issue? Most of us throughout our life are always praying for God to change something so that our life will be better. But I want you to know that He has a purpose and a plan, and a process that will give a full and meaningful life to you far beyond all you could ask or imagine, if we're willing to receive it. However, as we see in this passage this morning, sometimes the journey may be surprising, and your journey may be as life-transforming as your destination. Look at verse 18. He says, Forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. Now, we all have memories, good and bad, and, and, and memories can consume us. You see, if you've got good memories of blessings in the past, they will sometimes bind you to seeking to relive those same experiences over and over. Then some of you may have memories of things that hurt you in the past, and they hinder you from embracing the future because you're afraid that the same thing might happen again. So sometimes memory... Though they can be a blessing, they can also be a burden. Memories can consume us. We have memories of this past year, don't we? The pandemic, political division, racial unrest, protest in the streets, and far more. And, and these memories have left many people anxious, afraid, and angry, and some have even become apathetic. And many of us are living with uncertainty. Not sure what to do next or where to turn. When this passage was written back in the 6th century before Jesus, 6th century B.C., Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of Babylon, had conquered Jerusalem and taken the Israelites into captivity hundreds of miles away into Babylon. This was God's judgment against his people for their disobedience and for worshiping idols and turning away from, from God to serve other gods and idols. And while in captivity... Israel's suffering reminded them of their sin, bad memory. But it also reminded them of God's goodness and faithfulness and deliverance in the past, good memory. And those memories over 70 years changed them. You see, some of the people longed for the good old days of Jerusalem. They wanted to go home. And 70 years after captivity, they still wanted to go home. But there are others in 70 years who settled down in Babylon and, and in, engaged and endorsed the culture of their people. They became just like their captors and they settled there and built their homes and 
raised their children there, and uh, they sort of became like the world around them. They had forgotten God. But God tells them here, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past, good or bad. It's over. You see, our past will mess up our present, so we'll miss out on our future. Did you catch that? If we're not careful, our past will mess up our present, so we miss out on our future. We cannot repeat our past however good, and we cannot change our past however bad. So what do we do? Reflect on it, learn from it, grow through it, but don't dwell on it. Move on. The past 18 months have been so challenging in so many ways for many of us, I'm sure. Uh, this COVID pandemic may have affected you, your health, your job, your loved ones, a number of things that, that could happen. And, and the rhetoric that the media and the social media all around us has been, has been giving us chaos and confusion. We just don't know what to do sometimes. You and I have to be careful who we listen to. You ever catch yourself sometime hearing something on the news or reading something on social media and your whole attitude and thinking changes? We have to be careful who we listen to. God's people need to hear God's voice. We need to be careful of all the voices around us that we're sorting through and listening for that still, small voice of God that's speaking to you. Don't let the events of the past year and the noise about our current situation I was talking to Chris earlier. It seems like the past 18 months, it's been one thing after another. Here we are now in the conflict in Afghanistan, not sure what's going to happen tomorrow and this week. As if a pandemic wasn't enough, now we got another way called the Delta variant. It, it, just something every day. Don't let the events of the past year and the noise about our current situation diminish your faith or divert your focus from God's purposes and plans. God is at work. He is up to something. Can't you see it? And don't let your memories destroy your dreams. Look to God's activity around you. Look at verse 19. He says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Even now it springs up. Don't you see it? Don't you get it? Can't you see what I'm doing? Uh, God is always at work all around us. He's always doing a new thing, but you and I are so busy focusing on the old things that we miss the new thing that God is doing. We're looking the wrong direction. We have to let go of the past in order to take hold of the future. We have to be willing to let go of old ways and old memories and old traditions in order to see the new thing God's doing. I have been recently diagnosed with a condition that's very troublesome to me, and I hope you never have to deal with this. I, 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 I didn't think it would happen to me. Burger King syndrome. Yeah. It, it just crept up on me all of a sudden here. You see, I, I want it my way. I've discovered, discovered as I've gotten older that, uh, that I have personal preferences and personal convictions that convince me that my way is right and the best way, and I want it my way. Please don't ever let this creep up on you. I look around. I don't think it's in this room yet, but don't let it happen to you. Burger King syndrome is an awful thing. And it, uh, but you see, this attitude has even crept into church because uh, many churches, I'm sure not this church, but many other churches deal with this syndrome. And here's why I think it is. The world is changing so fast around us, and we have no control over it. Our economy, politics, 
health, culture, everything is happening so fast. We need a place where everything feels safe, secure, comfortable, the same, and that's the church. And then someone comes in and tries to change our church. But that's my place of safety and security and comfort. Here's the problem. The church, as wonderful as it is, as wonderful as this fellowship is, your safety, your security, your comfort is not in the church. It's not in Freedom Fellowship. It is in Jesus Christ alone. And I think a lot of folks have have put their hope in their church, not in Christ. Your church can be gone tomorrow in many ways, but Jesus will never leave you or forsake you. The Bible tells us that Jesus is our anchor in a sea of stormy change. So let's hold on to him. You know, God has called us to change. In fact, his ultimate purpose for your life, your life, your life, my life, is to transform us into the image of Christ. He wants us to become just like Jesus And see, then as he works in us, he will work through us by his Holy Spirit to impact and affect and change the world around us. But he can't work through me until he works in me. God won't be able to work through you until you let him work in you. The Israelites could not return to Jerusalem without leaving Babylon. And you and I cannot go with God and stay where we are. If we're going to go with God, if we're going to walk with God, we have to be willing to leave, to change, to let go. This may mean a disruption of life. It may mean uncomfortable change and major adjustments. How many of you have been to the circus and you've seen the man on the flying trapeze and he climbs that ladder to the top and he reaches out and takes the bar and he's swinging back and forth? And you know, you're just going, ooh and ah, and if that's all there was to it, you know, we'd get our money back. But we know that there's another bar, and there's a moment when we want to see him let go and take hold of the bar and move forward over here. And there's that moment when he lets go, and he's flying through the air, that we ooh and ah, and wow, and and we're just wondering and sometimes hoping that he'll slip and fall and land in that net, kind of like you're wanting to see a wreck at a NASCAR race, I know. But he gets up there, and he does, he's never content just to swing back and forth. He really wants to move forward, but he knows in order to move forward to the other side, he has to let go, but he must let go at the right time, because if he lets go back here, he's gone. But the other fear is that even if I let go at the right time, there's a moment from when I let go to I take hold that I'm holding on to nothing. How many of you have ever felt in your life that you were holding on to nothing? Praise the Lord for that time. Why? Because it's in the times when you are not holding on to anything that you must trust in the one who holds on to you and will never let go. It's in those times of life that God builds your faith, makes it stronger, makes it easier to let go the next time because you know the one who held you last time will hold you again. So if you're going through a season where you don't feel like you're holding on to anything and You feel like you're lost and ready to fall. Trust in the one who's holding on to you. He will never let go. You and I don't know what the future holds, but we know God who holds the future, and he's going to guide you through every day as we strain, struggle, and strive to walk with him according to his will and ways. Do not let the past keep you from embracing your future with faith, hope, and expectation of all that God is doing. I truly believe that in Christ... The best is yet to come.
So don't settle for the long ago days and don't settle for the life doesn't get any better for this. Really believe that in Christ your best is yet to come. Look at the rest of verse 19 there. He says, I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. See, God's deliverance of his people after 70 years of captivity would require them to cross hundreds of miles of desert going back to Jerusalem. It's a wilderness. Your deliverance often takes you through the desert on your way to your destination. When God delivers you from a situation, a circumstance, or problem, he almost always takes you through the desert on the way to your destination. Why? Well, let's see that. First of all, there are no roads in the wilderness. There's no roads, there's no signs, there's nowhere to stop and ask for directions. It's easy to wander and get lost in the wilderness. The DOT has not made it to the desert any more than they've made it to most of the roads of South Carolina. <laughs> there are no roads in the desert. So you need a way. And in our wilderness journeys of life, God always promises to make a way, just like he promised for his people there. I will make a way in the desert. What God really meant was, I'm not going to just give you, make you a way and give you a road map. I am your way, and I will walk with you every step of the way. And as we trust God in the wilderness, we learn that God is faithful, and we learn to depend on him every step of our life. That's why when you have been in captivity having to rely on those around you to tell you what to do and not to do, and you're going to go here, God takes you through a desert where you have to trust Him so that in the rest of your life you know you can trust Him. You never know how much you can trust God until you have to trust God. So thank Him for the wilderness times of your life. God is teaching you to depend on Him. Let me ask you this morning, are you trusting in God alone to take you through your journey? Or are you trusting in your own wisdom and strength or someone or something else to help you get where you're going. You don't have to wander in the wilderness. God has made a way. He is your way. And I pray that today you will trust him by faith to walk with him. Now God's promised not only a way through the wilderness, but he promised water in the wasteland. The road back to Jerusalem took God's people through the wilderness, desert, wasteland where there wasn't any water. If there was, it was stagnant and stale and stinky and not anything you want to drink. If you've ever been down to the dump, don't drink the water at the dump. It'll kill you. It smells. It just, it's bad. Don't drink the water there. But though there was no water in the wilderness, God provided streams. In fact, one translation says rivers of fresh water. God promises to provide for his people. In life, we must sometimes journey through dry, emotional and spiritual deserts, places that are dry, barren, and lonely. Why? God will intentionally, intentionally take you to a place where you feel dry and barren and lonely and just thirsty because God is teaching you to thirst for him. When there's nothing else around to quench your thirst, God sends rivers of refreshing water. He tells us in John that he'll give us through his spirit rivers of fresh water from within, that which refreshes and satisfies and quenches your thirst. God wants you to thirst for him. Are you thirsty for God? Do you wake up in the morning just thirsty to read his word, to spend time with him, to walk with him throughout the day? Or are you, are you counting on a little water on Sunday morning to get you through the week? Do you thirst every moment? 
Back December 31st of last year, my wife and I took a prayer retreat. We always do this every year, the week after Christmas, and it was the last day of the year. We were at Ridgecrest above Asheville, and we got up in the morning, had breakfast, and we walked up about a quarter of a mile to the prayer garden. And as we went into the prayer garden, I said, honey, I don't think we're supposed to pray. And as only my wife would do, she says, uh, this is a prayer garden, and we're on a prayer retreat. We're going to pray. And I said, honey, I, I, what I mean is I don't think God wants us to talk right now. Can we just sit for a few moments? So we, we found a bench by a stream in the woods on a crisp, cool winter's day. We sat there for about 15 minutes, and then I said to Crystal, did you hear that? Hear what? Well, what did you hear? All I've heard since we've been sitting here is that stream. I said, exactly. We've been sitting here for 15 minutes, and that stream has not stopped flowing. And the water tripping over the rocks has not stopped making that peaceful sound. Yet 20 minutes ago, when we were back in the hotel, we didn't see the stream. We didn't hear its sound. In fact, if we had not been here before, we would not have known there was a stream here. And this is a parable for uh, how the, most of the world sees God. You see, most of the world is no more aware of the existence of God than they are the existence of that stream. And they've never seen God work in their life any more than they've seen that stream move. They've never heard God speak to them any more than they've heard the sound of that stream. We had to adjust our lives to leave the hotel, to walk up the hill, to be in the presence of the stream so we could see its work and hear its sound. How can we, in this next year, adjust our lives day by day to always be aware of the presence of God, to see His work in everything around us, and to hear His voice speaking to us? What difference would it make in your life if day by day you were aware that you were in the presence of the one true living God and that everything that happened around you, you saw God at work and you could hear Him speaking to you, do not be afraid, do not worry. Do not be anxious. Trust me, I've got it all under control. If you could hear God speaking that way, walk this way, do this, do that, go here, go there. That's what we have sought to do this year, and it has been amazing to be able to, to though it's not perfect every day, to have those days that you sense you're in the presence of God and that you're hearing His voice speak to you. Look at verse 20. He says, The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen. The people I form for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. As these people walked with God, in the presence of God, through the desert, learning to depend on Him by faith, and to trust Him for the provision of water and everything else in the desert, as they walked with God through their desert journey, God provided for them. As they sought to live in the presence of God, He provided. And not only did it increase their faith as they saw God work in their life, but it affected the wild animals around you. How many of you live around wild animals? Two-legged kind. Okay? You know what I'm talking about? He says here, even the wild animals in the desert would be blessed by the water God provides. Hear this. When we choose to adjust our lives to God's presence, to move on to His agenda, and to obey Him in all things as we journey through the wilderness seasons of life, trusting His Holy Spirit to guide us and to provide for us, then His provision for us will bless those who do not yet know the Lord, and they too will rise to give Him glory. 
Could it be that this week as you walk with God, people will see Christ in you? And next Sunday morning, they may be standing here singing praise to God because of what they've seen in you. How many days in your life does that happen that others want to know the God in whom you trust because they see him at work in your life? We are God's people. We're chosen by him. We're formed by him for one purpose, to give him glory, to proclaim his praise. You and I were created by God to glorify God. And when we walk by faith, trusting him in all circumstances, good, bad, or horrible, and when we, when we trust him, especially in the dangerous, dark, and difficult days, we give him the highest praise that he is good and faithful and worthy of all honor and glory. I don't know about you, but I am thankful for dark days because the light shines brightest in the darkness. I am thankful for times of chaos and confusion because they reveal God's peace and direction. And I am thankful for periods of desperation that expose the hope and joy that we have as believers. We live as people of hope filled with joy and peace and love and light. Others see our faith and God's faithfulness and then they want to know more about him. They want to experience him. My question to us this morning is, are we willing to adjust our lives and follow God by faith through the spiritually dry desert in our nation and the moral wasteland of our culture in order to declare God's glory as he displays his power in us and through us? So this week, in every conversation, and every social media post, will it reflect the glory of God or only your, your angst and opinion? How will you live in a way, how will you adjust your life to live in a way this, this week that not only will you be aware of the presence of God, but those around you will be aware of the presence of God? Our nation, our world, our children, our grandchildren desperately need to see God at work and to hear his word as we trust him and follow him and so that they too can turn to him, know him, and discover life in him. We were asked to make adjustments in this past year because of the pandemic. You know, you know the three W's of dealing with COVID? What is it? Wear a mask, wash your hands, and wait six feet apart. Okay, we got that. We, we may not be doing it, but we got that. Well, there's four W's, four ways that we must adjust our life to live for Christ in this world. The first one is to worship the Lord. I'm not talking about here on Sunday morning. We can, we can worship the Lord with our lips, but it's worshiping the Lord with our lives during the week that's going to make the difference. How will you worship the Lord this week with your life? Secondly, walk by His Word. It's one thing to read it in the morning. It's another thing to live it, obey it, walk in it throughout the day. How will you walk in God's Word? How will you let His Word be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path and literally guide every step, thought, action, attitude, this coming week. Walk. Worship the Lord. Walk by His Word. A third one's to wait on the Lord, and this is prayer. How many of you pray and expect God to do something right then? And by the way, how many of us usually expect for God to do what we ask Him to do right then? Uh, God, God doesn't, he doesn't answer my prayers that way any more than I've gave my children everything they ask for when they ask for it. And God's a more loving Father than I am. Wait on the Lord it comes from back in the 17th, before the 18th century, in the 17th century, there were no waiters. Everyone 
grew their own food, cooked their own food, ate their own food, unless you owned uh, or you lived, you were wealthy and lived in a large castle, you had a waiter. And the waiter would literally stand at the head of the table looking at the master of the table. He would stand there and he would look. And if the master nodded, then he would move. And he would go over and wait on the guests doing whatever needed to be done. He knew what needed to be done, but he waited on his master's nod. He would stand there and wait, and his master nodded. Then he knew it was time to move. Now, if he'd been busy looking around everywhere else, he would not have seen what the master was saying. You and I go to a restaurant today, they, we usually have a waiter, and I don't know why they call them waiters, because you and I are doing the waiting. We're waiting on them to come take an order, to give us our food, to get a refill, all those things. You know why we're waiting on them? They're not waiting on us? Because they've been given so many people to wait on, they can't wait on anyone well. Before we judge them, maybe we need to look at ourselves. We're trying to wait on so many people and so many things and look after so many things in our life, we're not waiting on the Lord. We're not looking to the Master to give us the nod to tell us what to do. Wait on the Lord means pray and wait and watch to see what he says. Fourth W, witness to the world. I want to know this week, when people look at you, how much are they going to want Jesus? I'm not talking about going up and just, you know, reciting the four spiritual laws or the Roman road to someone. When people witness your life, will they see a witness for Christ and want to know him? How do we live in that way? What adjustments do you need to make in your life? What thoughts and attitudes and desires and habits, behaviors and relationships need to change in your life? They're there. You probably know them. I know what needs to change in my life. That's what I want to leave you this this morning as I ask you to stand just a minute, is to think about that question. What needs to change in your life? Let's stand together and let's just take a moment to focus on that as we close and bow our heads Think about this. When we return to God and allow His Holy Spirit to adjust our lives and seek to live in a right relationship with Him through faith and obedience, He will bless us and those around us and bring spiritual awakening to our nation. The change around me depends on the change within me. There's not a one of us here today that knows our nation, our world does not need to change. But we will not see the change around us until we see the change within us. So as we close in these moments, you just talk to the Lord about what he wants to change. And would you dare to give God permission as if he needed it? Would you dare to tell God, do in me whatever you need to do so you can do through me whatever you want to do. Father, you have spoken to us by your word and by your spirit and i pray that you will help us to see your work around us to hear your voice speaking to us and that we would adjust our lives to be in your presence day by day so that those who are in our presence will be in your presence and they'll want to know jesus father do in us what you need to do so you can do through us what you want to do and as you change us change the world around us for your glory in the name of your son i pray amen